And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel. Slightly different introduction to this week's episode. Uh, we are recording on Wednesday, the day after the senseless killing in Uvalde, Texas. Um, wanted to lead with, you know, obviously expressing my heartbreak over that tragedy um and also wanted to point folks in the direction of a fundraiser that the austin fc supporters group los verdes atx has begun uh via gofundme they've already raised over fifty thousand dollars through that um i posted a link to it on my twitter page um obviously you know this is what's dominating not just the news cycle but occupying a lot of headspace and mental space for a lot of people around the country and around the world, certainly on this show. Um, so I wanted to lead with something there. Uh, the, the supporters down in Austin doing a nice thing for the families of those affected um, who lost their children. And in a couple of cases, mothers and aunts and, and so on and so forth, uh, their loved ones. Um, they're working directly with Uvalde city officials to make sure all of that money goes directly to the families affected. So if you're interested um, and have the means, please go check that out. Like I said, that link is on my Twitter page for anyone who is so inclined. Um, but moving past that, we wanted to put a show out for you guys. Obviously, this will come out on Friday, so a little bit past that terrible news. Hopefully, that fundraiser is still active by the time you're hearing this. Um, if not, I'm sure there are other ways you can get involved as well. Different show for you this week because I am joined not by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio, but my friend and colleague, Michele Giannone from 2DNA. Michele, how's it going, man? Hi, Sam. I wish I could have said that I'm great, but I'm devastated by what happened yesterday. Yeah. It's been terrible, I think, 12, 14 hours since the news broke. And when you called me before what happened and told me about having the opportunity to be with you here in allocation disorder. And it's tied to my background and what my career has been directed until the last two years and being a huge fan of you and Paul, and then making that transition to meet you guys in person and working together on the USMNT trips and having the honor of calling you my friends and the relationship that we've developed. I was so excited uh, to be here. <laughs> I am excited to be here. And this for me was going to be a day of celebration um, because it means a lot that you thought of me to be here. Hey, no problem. But it, it can still be a day of celebration. It will be a day of yes. celebration. I just, and, but it yesterday just, it, it broke me. Um, yeah. I woke up this morning with sadness as I'm immigrant in this country, I've been 11 years here in the US. Sandy Hook was 10 years ago. 
And yesterday, for the first time, I doubt about my future here in the US. And if I want to raise a family, I don't have kids yet. If I want my kids to be born here. And so it's been, it's been difficult the last 12 hours. And yeah. I can't imagine what those families are going through. And, and yeah, yeah, just hopefully things like what the guys at Austin fundraiser are doing, it could make small change in this darkness. And, and yeah, it's so <laughs> that's, yeah, that, I'm sorry. It's a little bit, you know. No, don't don't apologize. It's, it's difficult to to work today, but yeah. here we are, and we have like this is a good um, you get the show moment if you're a Dalibatar <laughs> fan. <laughs> Awkward transition. There we go. Awkward transition. Um, so I want to get a little bit into Michele's background for those of you that might not be familiar with him. Um, I'm sure many of you listening to this show have seen him on Twitter over the last, what, nine months or so since the beginning of qualifying. And, and he's kind of boosted his follower count with some, frankly, some hot takes, Michele. I'll just be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but I wanted to get a, into a little bit of your background. You, you, you have been doing some sideline reporting for MLS games. You mentioned mm-hmm. on the U.S. trips, you and Donnie Nora are there from, I mean, I mean, you're there longer than anybody else. Like literally, like you are there covering that team more days than any other reporter that covers that team dating all the way back to the start of the Berhalter era when you were running around with Nico Contour doing it. Um, so, you know, this team super well, um, but tell us a little bit about your background. You're Venezuelan, you're Italian, you're just like Gio Savarese. Um, so tell us a little bit about your path to this point and, and, you know, let people get to know the man behind the, the flaming hot take Twitter account. Yeah. My 5,000 follower Twitter account. <laughs> it's a good follow. For those of you that don't follow him, so check him out. But anyway, it's, so um, tell us about yourself. Yeah, um, well, Sam just mentioned I've been working at the um, old Univision Deportes since 2014. And now to the end, what you guys know here in the U.S. and Mexico. I started covering the USMNT in January 2018 after um, Bruce Arena left and yeah. Trinidad y Tobago happened. So I started covering that. So you came at the, at the best time, like yeah, really just an excellent, an excellent moment. Fantastic. Everybody yeah. was happy. Everybody was positive. But the very start of the Burhalter era. Though. Um, well, I had 2018 was the Sarah. Or, er, yeah. Excuse me. I, I always yeah. black that year out. Yeah, me too. Amazingly. But yeah. Yeah, me too. And that happened the other day. I was like doing a, you're talking about my hot takes on Twitter. I was <laughs> uh, giving when, when the US sealed being in the World Cup. After mm-hmm. the, the the Panama win, well, sealed, basically effectively sealed, no? effectively. effectively sealed, not yeah. mathematically, but effectively in Orlando. I was just tweeting about how fortunate I've been through going the whole Berhalter era. And I, and I started tweeting, obviously, um, making it bad by mentioning that I started covering this team on January 2019. You even even forgot when you started. (laughs) Yeah, super nice tweet. And yeah, I think it happened to all of us. We blocked out 2018 in the Sarakan year. So yeah, I've been working with Univision Deportes, which is now in 2DN, in covering, I started in Miami, where our main office is. And of course, when you're working in Univision and 2DN, Liga MX is the main thing. Especially, I moved with them to Mexico City in 2015. I spent two years there covering Liga MX, 
So Michele was a great tour guide for all of us in Mexico City before the the qualifier at Azteca. So that was that was a nice little note. But anyway, thank continue, you. I please. appreciate it. I did. I I had a lot of pressure on that trip. You did. I cannot fail, my guys. This is my <laughs> this is my my ex home ground. Um, yeah, and then I moved. Um, they gave me the opportunity to move to the West Coast. Um, I moved to Tijuana because at that point in 2017, El Piojo Miguel Herrera was coaching Cholos. Did he slap so you it, ever when you when he was never. coaching the team and you were coming? Thankfully, never. That's good. Never. But it, he's a he's a great guy to cover. He's yeah. um, he's not boring. A, <laughs> not boring at all. So, and that gave me the opportunity to start covering also the West Coast on the U.S. Uh, sure. LA. And that time it it coincide with um the LFC uh, born arrival. Uh, as a franchise yeah. arrival yeah. and the announcement of Carlos Vela. And then Chicharito comes in. So LA for us, it became a big market. Mm -hmm. So uh, after Gold Cup 2019, they gave me the opportunity to um, move back to the US and be stationed here between LA and San Diego and covering the West Coast. And from there, just started back on the USMNT um, bandwagon, if you the can beat. say that, in yeah. the beat and Major League Soccer. And here we are. And now I'm the... Major League Soccer sideline guide for today, traveling every weekend, which my girlfriend absolutely loves. Not. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, you got to be racking up the miles and the hotel points. You, oh, absolutely. You, you guys have a nice free vacation in your future, I feel like. Yeah, I actually, you know what? This um, this is coming out on Fridays, but we have a, not a double header. We have a, two games this weekend on today. We have mm -hmm. on Saturday, LAFC San Jose and Sunday Galaxy Austin. Yeah. So we're staying um, the whole weekend in LA and we're making it a mini vacation. Oh, there you go. We got, right. a, That's smart, we got a nice because you're about to be gone for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, <laughs> well, you make it happen. It, it has its perks. So yes. that, that's how I, 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 I keep the, the, um, my lady ha happy. <laughs> there you go. That's important. Um, well, Michele really does pay very close attention, not just to the US, but to MLS as well. So for anybody that's a fan of this show, you would be a fan of his work. Um, so go check him out on Twitter. And if you're so inclined, watch the 2 day NA broadcast um, for the games that they're doing. And you you will hear Michele, you will hear our boy Danny Nora mm -hmm. um, doing some play-by-play, -play, maybe seeing some goals, Claro que si. Um, and, and maybe you'll pick up a few, a few words of Spanish along the way. Um, Do I need a catchphrase? I don't know. Do you need one? You no, can't force. You can't plate. force a catchphrase. You can't force right. a catchphrase. If it's natural, sure. But you know, don't don't push it just to have one. I think that's important. It's got to be yeah. authentic, as Good they advice. say. Um, Michele, another awkward transition. Um, the USMNT had a roster drop last week. Uh, June window coming up. Roughly three week long camp. Um, they're going to start coming together in Cincinnati on Friday, the day that the show is released, um, players will begin trickling in and then continuing to trickle in over the weekend and into Monday ahead of a friendly against Morocco on June 1st at TQL stadium, moving to Kansas city after that for a friendly against Uruguay on June 5th, and then CONCACAF nations league matches against Grenada on June 10th and Austin and at El Salvador on June 14th. These are four of the final six matches before Qatar. Um, the remaining two will be in September during a nine day camp. Um, that's a lot shorter than a three week camp. So any big changes, any big tactical shifts, any extended looks that Greg Berhalter wants to take at new players and evaluate how they're going to integrate into the group. Those are happening this window. Primarily, he said that the September roster is going to be kind of 
the unofficial roster for the World's Cup. So if a guy wants to improve his place, the best chance to do it is right now. So this is a really important camp, even though the games themselves aren't going to be necessarily super high profile. So that's kind of setting the table. We, we got the roster last week, 27 guys on it. Most of you listening to the show will probably already be familiar with that. It was announced last Friday, so somewhat old news. Um, a few surprises, a few new names, um, a few exclusions due to injuries that we were expecting. Um, one that maybe we weren't in Chris Richards. I think a lot of people will hope, were hopeful that he was going to be able to make the squad, but let me just run it down here real quick. Three goalkeepers, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath, five fullbacks, George Bellow, Reggie Cannon, Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, DeAndre Yedlin, four center backs, obviously a big position of need following the injury to Miles Robinson. Walker Zimmerman is there, of course. Followed by Cameron Carter-Vickers, Aaron Long, and Eric Palmer-Brown, who all have a huge opportunity to kind of work their way up the depth chart. Defensive midfielders, as expected, Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams. Central midfielders, we have six of them. Luca De La Torre, Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, all as expected, Christian Roldan. Um, maybe not expected for some folks, but a guy who's been a part of every single roster since qualifying began. And then two new faces. Georgie Mihailovic, who's been outstanding for Montreal, a favorite of yours, I know, Michele. And yes. Malik Tillman, uh, a German-American dual national who is in the process of switching his allegiance, his registration from Germany to the U.S. Um, he's a guy that has appeared for the German U21 national team quite a bit. Uh, Bayern Munich player um, could potentially be going out on loan this summer. Just 19 years old. Uh, he's capable of playing in a few different spots, um, kind of more of, a, of an attacking player. He's listed as an eight on this roster, but can also play out wide or as a center forward, which I'll get to in a second. Wingers, normal group. Uh, Aaron's, Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris, Kristen Pulisic, and Tim Weah. No Gio Reyna, who, of course, is out injured. Um, strikers, only two, which was somewhat surprising to me, with Jesus Ferreira and Haji Wright, another new face who tore it up in Turkey this season for Antalya Spor particularly down the stretch um, where he helped lift them under manager Nuri Sahin, by the way, Mikel, I don't know if you knew that kind of a fun wow. fact um, from the relegation zone in February, all the way up to a final finish of seventh. Um, so really impressive work for him. He scored a ton of goals. I think finished tied for sixth in the Turkish super league with 14 on the season. So we'll break that down kind of in detail here as we go. But before we do that, Mikel, overall takes, on this roster. I think a lot of people were pretty happy with it for the most part. What were your thoughts? No surprises. Uh, first of all, I got to give you kudos. You absolutely nailed the projection. I did. I was 26 of 27. My only, my only error was thinking Chris Richards was healthy yeah. enough to be on it. Me too. Um, no surprises, no reaction. No and reaction. My reaction is expected. I mean, I, was, I wasn't honestly um, surprised about anything. I was happy to see Georgi Mihailovic, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to spend some time talking about what we can see and what most important, what we want to see out of him. And hopefully Berhalter yeah. um, could make us happy in the way he uses Georgi. Um, I'm happy that some new faces like Tillman, like Haji Wright, deservedly so, are here. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned that just two strikers. I've been, and you just mentioned my quote-unquote hot, hot takes. <laughs> I've been mentioned for a long time that I truly believe that in the, we don't know yet if it's going to be 23, 26, 
for the World Cup, the roster. Uh, Berhalter size. is expecting 26. Yes. If it's um, 23, even 26, I really believe that the roster is just going to have two strikers, hmm. which, um, and let me explain you why, because I think we have a surplus of really good wingers. Yep. I think uh, we have three really good wingers, especially for what Berhalter wants to play on each side. And depending on the tactics that we hope Berhalter can experiment, and that's another point that uh, I want to touch yeah, a little bit later, the disappointing, the disappointing of not having Gio Reyna on this squad. Mm-hmm. It's that um, I truly believe that the wingers can occupy different places and and on Berhalter's tactics and yep. any Reina could on the, Reina could be a guy that could play as a nine. Tim Weah yes. could be a guy yeah, that could play as a nine. He mentioned also in 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 uh, I remember I spoke with Berhalter even during during the lockdown in 2020 and he even mentioned Christian Pulisic. Yeah, we've seen we've nine, seen and we've seen it on Chelsea for Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, even and and I think um the surplus in quality of wingers and the the capacity of them to play another position. Yeah. Jordan Morris think, too, by the way. Yeah. Also Jordan Morris. And I think that's why I believe that he's going to take just two number nines, two natural number nines, and he's going to um, utilize on, on, on for his advantage, uh, those wingers. I truly believe that all the wingers that are on this camp, and I truly believe that he has already chosen in his mind, at least 80% of the squad that mm-hmm. is going to be in Qatar. And like you said, barring injuries, of course. Yes, yeah. but let's let's say that everybody it's it's available. Mm-hmm. And I and I believe that, like you mentioned, this is the last casting call for all the players that are not on his mind on on his list in Sharpie right now. Yeah, and because September, like you said, is going to be the un, the the unofficial World Cup roster, and I think that's just going to be a dress rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So overall, I'm very happy. With the roster, I'm happy that guys like Christian Roldan are still in it. I'm happy that Georgie is hopefully given plenty of minutes to show and do. And I'm not surprised at all to see John Brooks. And I think we can spend. <laughs> I'm a glad bit you went there because I was about to ask you about that. Um, that was maybe the one position. I don't know if it was a surprise, but it was a headline that John Brooks was not called. Um, He's coming off not his best season at, at Wolfsburg in Germany. Uh, he's going to be looking for a new club this summer. He's out of contract, uh, and they're not re-signing him. Um, he was called in September. It was thought back at that time, which feels like a million years ago, that he was the hmm. number one center back in the pool, kind of one of the most impl- important players, theoretically, for the USMNT. Uh, he struggled in that window. He didn't play very well against Canada. He played even worse at Honduras before he got yanked, um, got called up in October, but pulled out because of injury and has not been back since has not been named to any of the rosters. Subsequently, Burhalter has been asked about this a million times. He's talked about form. He's talked about fit. He's talked about, um, you know, he's not going to be able to come in and start for us. Um, his answer has changed ever so slightly each time that he's given one. Uh, and this time, he said, he sort of initially, he said he talked about wanting to give him space to go focus on finding a new club. And that was part of the reason that 
that he wasn't brought in. ESPN's Jeff Carlisle followed up and Burhalter basically said, in terms of John, him going to a new club doesn't preclude him from going to the ro- from from this roster. My point was we're going to be able to see him now in a new environment, hopefully doing things that are similar to what we need him to do and that could help him make a case to be on the roster. That was simply it. We didn't think there'd be enough game time to get a guy like John Brooks on the field. So because of that, we did not bring him. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. Like the answers have been tweaked. There have been different subtle subtleties in terms of different versions that Berhalter has offered up over the last however many months. Um, but he doesn't rate him at this point for whatever reason. And I don't know if there's something going on there that we don't know about um, dating back to maybe that September camp. There's been a lot of, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories, but there's been a lot of theories about you know some eye rolls during the game in Nashville against Canada and body language and things like that. Um, but for whatever reason, Burhalter has four, five, six center backs that he rates above John Brooks at this point in time. Could that change? I think so. Is Burhalter open to that? If you take him at his word, yes. Like he said repeatedly, the door is closed on no one, including John Brooks. Um, I tend to believe him when he says things like that. But I think John Brooks is going to have to do a lot to walk through that door. Um, I'll put it like that. So yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to see him in Qatar barring a pretty drastic change. What, I mean, I think we're in agreement there, right? Yeah. I, I agree with you when you say you tend to believe him and I do except with John Brooks. Um, when he, for example, PFOC came back mm-hmm. for the last window and he was given another opportunity. New players are coming to this window yeah, and are given opportunities. I don't believe it with John Brooks. Like you said, every month, every camp, there's been a slight uh, difference on the response. Um, you can say that a convenient response on this camp. I was talking weeks ago because I've been um, since October, I've been very adamant about it. And I said very emphatically, John Brooks is not coming back under Greg Berhalter, at least <laughs> on this. Um, These are the hot takes I'm talking about. They're not yes. so hot. They're just emphatic. That's a good emphatic, word. Emphatic, yes. not emphatic, emphatic. Because yes. I don't, I don't, I don't want to create problems, but I think it's, I just want to be emphatic. And I have some uh, sources that have told me that something broke on the personal relation, hmm. on the environment subject on what Berhalter wants in the locker room inside that team. And I trust, and I've been trusting those sources, and I think the actions speak for themselves. And I do believe that it's going to be very hard. And we know that for a new player or for a player to get a second chance or a new chance under Greg Berhalter from his entire tenure since 2019 is very difficult for a new player to break into camp. I don't know if you, you agree with that. It depends on the position. Right. I, yeah. But I think if you're a striker, as long as you're scoring, you right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but, but my point is like in a case, in the case of, of John Brooks, we know that he has some options, at least on his mind. And we got to remember that also coaches, even on the sporting side of things, they're very subjective. Maybe I see a player and you see the same player and we can have different opinions. Yeah. Like you, you, you could like a player. I could not like the same player. 
And we can have a, a debate about it. For example, Christian Roldan is a guy that is very polarizing. I really like him. Um, I do believe that he deserves to be on the squad, even if it's a 23 uh, roster for, for Qatar. Uh, I'm maybe in the minority, but I'm seeing something that a lot of people don't see. So we see it on Mexico with Chicharito and Tata Martino. <laughs> on the sporting side... <laughs> well, there might be something more to that. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and there is, obviously. But but that that's that's what I mean when, with, with John Brooks. There's something else that it's not just um, related 100% to on-the-field performance. Hmm. And I'm, I'm just... And that's the information that I've been... Um, trying to give publicly. I don't know all the details, yeah. but I know that something broke on that September camp. And but he recalled him in October though. Yeah. And that's the part that it, that's the part that it's missing. It's like the missing link. Yeah. All the information that we've, and I, and I know you've also heard some stuff and that everything that broke and it's causing John Brooks not being on this team and on the team since um, September happened on that September window, but he got gets called again in October. Right. That's the missing link on everything. So what did it really break? I mean, like that's the thing. Uh, yeah. The the one interesting thing that that we have as well is that you know he pulled out of that October camp due to injury. He played sixteen minutes on September eleventh, which was after the initial September window. He was on the bench for the following game on September 19th and then apparently, you know, hurt his back, I believe, if that's if that's correct. Um if I'm remembering correctly, um maybe in training. Um he did not miss a game though. So he played on, again on September 25th, played 90, played 45 on on October 2nd. Then the October window happens. Takes 2 weeks off and he plays 90 on October 16th in their first game back. So I'm kind of wondering Maybe there was something there, um, but regardless, he is not on this team. I would say it's pretty unlikely at this point that he's on the team going to the Middle East in November. Um, I agree. There will be guys on this squad, obviously, that are on that plane to Qatar. Um, yeah. On a lighter note, on a happier note, which player are you in this in this camp? Are you most excited to see with the USMNT? And it could be a new guy. It could be an old face. Um, but but who are you kind of most intrigued to watch in this coming window? Oh, it has to be Georgie, right? It has to be Georgie Mihailovic because it doesn't have to be. Well, for me, it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, why? Why? For, for okay, so we we know that Berhalter sees Georgie and Christian Roldan as an eight, right? With which that's which is not, not the, really where not they the play position for, exactly, for the clubs, yeah, for the club exactly, and that's the disconnection that some fans on some analysts like sure. me but georgie doesn't play person. georgie's position doesn't exist exactly you you know um i was um reading um a few days ago a piece of, uh from matt doyle mm-hmm. and he compared and i think he nailed it 100 he compared mihailovic with uh Mueller on germany and i remember hmm. with um when Mueller. um uh, make his debut with Bayern Munich. He was 16 or 17 years old and through his career. I remember because the TV station that I work in Venezuela, we broadcast the Bundesliga and hmm. 
because it was Bayern Munich, we'll broadcast them every weekend. Sure. It was the main game every week. And I've watched Mueller since the beginning of his career. And for the love of God, I've never been able to, like, I'll ask people, can you explain which position well, does he the, play? It's the Ramdeuter, right? Whatever that means in German. <laughs> I have no idea which position does he play. He's, is he a 10? Is he a winger? Is he a false nine? Is he an eight? But he's everywhere. Yeah. And he's crashing the box and he's scoring a thousand goals for Bayern for, for a German national team. And I think Georgie, it's on that island that we honestly don't know which is his best. We, we sit on Montreal, for example. He's everywhere. He's, he's, he starts sometimes at the wing. He cuts in. Then he's crashing the box, like this, the goal that he scored um, last week. But the thing is that, sadly, and that's why I'm very excited to see him and very excited about what Berhalter mentioned about maybe trying some different tactics, what we can see and where can Georgie fit. Because I don't think... He's um, an ideal eight on per halter's system. Yeah, not in the four and three. Yeah. And that's the same thing that that happens with Christian Roldan when he places mm-hmm. an eight on the four three three. It doesn't work for him and the team. So, and and transitioning to that, that's the part that I'm bummed about not having Gio Reyna. Yeah, on this squad, because one of the things that I've been proponent since, and we've talked about it. I remember we we're talking about driving like. What five a.m. to the airport on, in Canada one day? <laughs> uh, about after the the Canada game, what would you do? And I've always been yeah. You and I are on the about, same page here about yeah. inverting the triangle in the midfield, doing a four-two-three-one. Yeah, exactly, and playing with a true ten or or someone that just uh, highly. Above. But Gio Reyna is really the only guy that can do that. For exactly. The most part. So I'm interested to see if maybe Georgie <laughs> or even whoa. Lyle misses Gio Reyna too. Yeah. Hi, Lyle. Um, maybe Georgie can be that. Player. I don't think I don't think there's a chance really of that. I think I think if we see Georgie in this window, I think it'll be in that three man back line that mm-hmm. that not in it, but in the formation. Man, Lyle's on one today. Sorry, sorry. He doesn't so agree long. with my hot take. So Burhalter has mentioned that he's going to experiment with a three man back line in the, in this window at some point, and if we see that. I think we could see Mihailovic in kind of one of those, that line of two potentially in a three, four, two, one, which is where he plays for Montreal. So -hmm. he can sort of pop out wide. He can, he can pop into the middle, but the main thing that he's going to be focused on is, is making not late arriving runs necessarily, but sort of delayed runs into the box where he can finish. That's what he's done really well in MLS, not just this season, but the past two seasons, I would say. And, And and really, since he arrived in Montreal from Chicago, when when he's turned a corner as a player, he's got seven goals and four assists in thirteen games in le- in the league this year. Um, I think one of the main candidates for MVP so far, certainly for best eleven. So curious to see what he his role looks like. But I, you know, for me, I think if he ends up on the on the plane to Qatar, it's not going to be as a starter. Right, I think that four three three is what we're going to see, and I think we have a good idea of what that's going to look like in terms of yeah. personnel. It's that MMA midfield, right? Adams at the base, McKenny and Musa in front of him. Um, so for me, I'm most excited to see one of the new guys, and that's Haji Wright. We talked about him a little bit already, but tore it up down the stretch in Turkey. Scored in seven consecutive games um, until 
their finale. Um, I believe he had nine goals in his final 10. I actually went back and I watched all of his goals from this season and he scored in a, in a variety of different ways. He's, he's a prototypical kind of striker, six foot three. He's big, not overwhelmingly quick, which is pretty typical for, for somebody of his size. But if he gets into the open field, he, he does have decent speed enough to threaten, right? Enough to be a credible threat to run in behind, which is important. Um, not a ton in terms, of, in terms of what he's doing in possession. They didn't ask him to do a ton of that in Turkey. Um, you know, he wasn't super involved in those ways, but adept enough as a holdup player, as a guy that can receive the ball back to go hold off a defender and find a teammate quickly. Um, but the finishing is what really stood out. He scored, like I said, in a variety of different ways. Um, some goals, there, there was one that some of you have probably seen where he, he, nobody stepped to him and he just laced one from about 25 yards with his left foot, which is his weaker foot, into the upper 90. That was kind of an incredible goal. Um, but the more typical ones are, you know, he's positioning himself well to clean things up in the box, and taking advantage and being opportunistic. He's receiving the ball maybe on the half turn. Um, in between the center backs, uh, taking one touch and ripping a shot far post and, and finding the back of the net. Um, but there are times where you can see him use his speed and they play him through and he gets behind. And that's really positive. Uh, he's a pretty solid dribbler. Um, you know, there was one goal and I have a story coming out on the athletic should be out by the time you listen to this. There's one goal where he, he was playing in a two forward setup. I think in this game, he runs into the left channel, just kind of a speculative ball into the corner. He kind of drops his shoulder, does this little feint, and the defender totally bites. And and he completely dekes him out, and he's able to turn the corner, run to goal. He's looking for a pass, but no option really presents itself. So he just curls one around the keeper and in, inside the far post. Really nice goal. Um, and then, you know, solid movement in the box too. So I'm very curious to see what he looks like in the setup. He's a guy that big-time prospect as a youth player. Um, he was a youth national team teammate of, of Pulisic and Tyler Adams. Um, Dortmund was actually scouting him when they came across Pulisic for the first time um, before they signed him, which is kind of an interesting story. A weird career path. He's been, I think, at like six or seven different clubs and he's only 24, uh, played all over the world, started his pro career with the New York Cosmos of all teams with Raul back in the day and your boy Gio Savarese. He keeps coming up on this show. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, not just because of, of his attributes, but because of the state of the number nine with the U S yeah, absolutely. Um, and for those same reasons, really excited to see Jesus Ferreira who, who has been awesome for FC Dallas. And, you know, I think he did some good things with the U S in the two starts he had in qualifying against El Salvador and against Panama at home. But the one thing that was lacking was his finishing. Right. He missed a couple of really good chances against El Salvador. He scored a tap in against Panama, but he missed he missed the goal on a really good chance later in that game. Uh, he has not had any issues with finishing for FC Dallas. He leads MLS in goals so far this season. So I'm excited to see what those two can do. And I'm excited to see what Christian Pulisic looks like as well. Um, and, and, you know, a guy that struggled a little bit in qualifying. And uh, if the U.S. is going to make noise at the World Cup, he can't be struggling in Qatar. So interesting yeah. to see what he looks like. Yeah, I'm super excited about also Haji Wright. And he can be, like you said, he's 24 years old. It's a good reminder, especially with, with the fan base and all the excitement that are that are around all the youngsters. We start touting 17, 18, 19 years old as the best thing in the world without them not showing anything yeah. that deserves it. 
and that not all growth is linear. And like you said, he got lost. And Berhalter even mentioned on the on the press conference that he wasn't on the radar because he was playing in like in several clubs, playing maybe as a winger. Yeah. And 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 you know that the development takes time, takes being on the right place, sometimes at the right time, with the right system, with opportunity the right is key. Environment. Coach believes and, in you, all that. Exactly. And the the most to close my point, the most exciting thing about him is that maybe. And I haven't watched him a lot except the highlights, you know, the goals um, that he has scored. He's kind of a mix between Ferreira and what maybe what we want that Pepe could be you one day. Because so? I don't see much I, Ferreira there. Because the Ferreira in the sense is that he can dribble, like you say, he can mm-hmm. he, he can make that turn um, and he can start his runs into his runs behind the line or even. Uh, from midfield. I think he has that uh, ball capacity that Ferreira has and the movement in spaces mm-hmm. and the, the physical pro- prototype, maybe the, the the finishing that Pepe has and we know he has. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to, again, Pepe's just 19 years old and there's something that we maybe we're going to touch on here later about what he's not, he's not on this camp. But again, what's the main issue that Berhalter asks from his number nine? He has to be a defender too. He has to be able to play with his. That's back. not the main. That's not the main thing he asks. He asks them to score goals. That's the main thing. Mm, you yes, have to, you have to yes, do the defensive yes, work. Yes, yes, and no. But if you don't, if you don't do, uh, let, let me rephrase that. Not the main thing. You're right. But it's an important thing that the yeah, number nine has. It's part of the equation has, has to be, and that's why Jassi Sardes has been on 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 the radar and playing for him for as much as he's done. And for the USMNT and Josia Altidor at, at, at his moment, they need, with especially with, with the wingers that we have, number nines that can play well with the backs to goal, that can hold up play, that can move between the lines, and that can defend. Can Hajirai do those things? That's what I think from what from what I saw of him, from what I watched, which admittedly I'm watching clips, but it wasn't just goal clips that I was watching. Um, from what I saw of him, I think he's capable of that. He seemed like a decently hard worker in defense. So, so do but, you think do, do you do you think that in Berhalter systems system, and we've seen it, the number nine has to be that much of a goal scorer? Because I don't. Hmm. Well, I think that's inter- an interesting question, and I think that's a good way for us to come back from this break that we're about to take. We'll start there and kind of outline that answer, as well as a few other priorities that we think Greg Berhalter needs to be looking at in this window. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Long first segment for you guys. That was a whole show we did, Michele, in one Sorry. segment. 
Don't apologize. We're just I'm giving nervous. the people content. This man. is too much pressure. I'm on a location disorder, man. Why are you apologizing? I'm the one running the show here. I'm the host. <laughs> uh, no. So Michele ended the last segment by asking me a question. Is it that important for the U.S. number nine to score in this system? Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's my answer. Um, can they survive without that much production from the number nine? Yeah, of course. Um, they only got four goals from the position in 14 games in qualifying, yep. and they still did okay. Um, but this is a team that was not overwhelming from an attacking perspective during the octagonal. Uh, and part of that was because they didn't have somebody that could really play up there, apart from two games of Ricardo Pepe in September in Honduras and October against Jamaica. He has not scored in 25 games for club and country since that game against against Jamaica and Austin back in October, by the way, getting that break uh, for this window, which um, well-deserved, I guess he's, he's been very busy. A lot of life changes over the last year and a half, but he it doesn't, he doesn't deserve a call up based on his form at this point in time. So well-deserved, I guess, in more ways than one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's obviously important. You know, the ceiling for this team is, is I think massively constrained by the fact that the number nine hasn't produced at all and, and not just like hasn't really produced, but hasn't really even been that involved in a lot of good attacking movements. And we saw some flashes of that from Pepe, I think in the last window, you know, he didn't score, but I thought he did pretty well for the most part um, in the other aspects of his play, but mostly the position has been really lacking in every way, not just in front of a goal, but in every way for the U S I'm excited to see Ferreira and right. Like I mentioned, I think Ferreira adds a different element to this team where he can really drop into midfield and, and combine. We've seen him do that well for Dallas. It helps with those wingers. You know, if he can drop into midfield, the center back has to make a choice. Do I run with him and open up space for those two wingers to run in behind? Or do I try and pass him off to a defensive midfielder who may or may not be able to pick him up? If they can't pick him up, then Ferreira has, has space and time. When he receives the ball, he can turn and he can create some danger on his own. He has that ability. So I think that is intriguing for the U.S. And if he can finish like he has for FC Dallas, I think he's in pole position to start in Qatar at this point. A lot could change between now and November. Um, but you know, to go back to your question, this is going to be a tough group for the U.S. They're going to be underdogs against England. If England plays to their potential, England will win that game, in my opinion. Um, and then it's going to be a dogfight with Iran and whoever advances from that UEFA playoff, whether it be Scotland, Ukraine, or Wales, um, for who's going to finish second, in my opinion. Those, those three teams are going to have a real battle on their hands. And if you have a forward that can't score, that's going to really hurt you. Right. Naturally. So, so yes, I think it matters a lot. If you look at the way Burhalter's teams played in Columbus, which is different than how they play with the U S the striker was really important, scored a ton of goals, whether it was Kai Kamara, Ola Kamara or Giassi's artist, um, you know, loved getting the ball down the flanks and that into the primary assist zones and picking, cutting back and picking out the striker. That's kind of what they lived on there. Um, U S again, doesn't play the same sort of way, but you need that person to be efficient. In that spot. So I think to me, that's one of the biggest, I guess, priorities or question marks, however you want to phrase it, for Burhalter heading into this window that he, he should want to get sorted out. Will he get it sorted out? It's not really up to him. <laughs> right. uh, and, and, and probably not 
you know, I would expect that this is going to be a race that stays wide open through, through November. And whoever is in the best form at that point in time is going to be the person that's, that's on the plane. Um, but I do like the fact that he has two very different options in Ferreira and Wright in terms of how they play and, and that that will be able to kind of allow them to uh, experiment with maybe some different looks on this team. So we, we've talked about striker a lot. I do want to move on to some other positions on the field, Michele. Um, or maybe not even positions, but just kind of topics or themes. If you are Greg Berhalter, what are your main priorities besides striker heading into this camp? I think left back. It's uh, the backup left back. The backup left, left back. I think, yeah. Jedi Robinson, it's a locking starter right now. One of mm-hmm. the few that you could say he has the plane ticket to Qatar sealed, but yeah. and he's a starter. Mm-hmm. for all the games mm-hmm. and he he played he i think in minutes the, the most guy that played during the the world cup qualifiers or he was very i think close he, to, i think he was top. behind adams but yeah, yeah adams and him but but by a wide margin i think left back um i think the goalkeeper situation it's i've been well let's stay with left back for a second okay let's yeah so I george was, george bello is the backup there right now he was the guy that was called into this window um but berhalter yeah. Name checked a few other guys. Sam Vines, who was called mm-hmm. up for one window in qualifying. Um, John Tolkien, New York Red Bulls homegrown, who's done pretty well in in MLS. And Kevin Paredes, I believe, was the other one whose name was dropped. Uh, former DC United, went over to Wolfsburg in January. I think only played 13 minutes or so, so didn't really get a ton of time. Um, but Berhalter said it himself. The, the backup job there is completely wide open to the point where he, he didn't even call in backup left backs to some of the camps. It was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Serginio Dest can play over there if we need him or yeah. Kellen Acosta or whoever. I, I know I know. Kevin Paredes is highly rated inside mm-hmm. the uh, Berhalter's mind and, and his coaching staff. He was um, the star of uh, December camp. Yeah. He got injured like a week before the game and I was told that he was the best player on camp while he was there. Mm-hmm. He was going to be starter on that game and... He was gonna give given be the option the opportunity to be on the January camp and be part of that work qualifiers uh roster on January. So it's a shame that first he got injured. He couldn't play on December and be on the January roster and have that experience of being part of a mm-hmm. um, qualifiers window. And then he goes to Wolfsburg and he doesn't play. Yeah. You mentioned 13 minutes, and that has slowly um Played against him and the yeah. chances to be on it's, this window. It's hard to get into the excited. team. Yeah, I I had him on my projection to the to a World Cup at the beginning of the year. I had him on my projection of this roster. I meant I I said, well, this is going to be a, an opportunity to Berhalter to give him minutes, the minutes that maybe he uh, could have or, or didn't get with Wolfsburg, and to see him again since yeah. being that uh, shiny object, <laughs> if you can mention that with all due respect. Um, of the December camp, you know, mm-hmm. um, sometimes my English fails me, so no, I apologize for that. <laughs> it, it, did, it didn't there. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, I think, and, but there's the other scenario that you mentioned that we're going to see a, re, uh, a repeat of what we saw in qualifiers. You have a lot of death on the right back position mm-hmm. with uh, death, Yedlin and Cannon. And Shaq Moore, you know, even, who was not Shaq called Moore, to this camp. Yeah. Um, even Brooks Lennon, that mm-hmm. also has had a really good start of the Major League Soccer season with Atlanta United. And that he brings two or three of those names and just brings Jedi after his only natural left back. When you see in the World Cup, in, in the group stage, it's not 
uh, crazy to think that a Robinson can play all the minutes and have Serginho Desk of that breaking mm. glass. Um, break in case of emergency. Yes. yes, break the glass in case of emergency. And that's a situation I that, I, that. that I, I don't fear, love that. That I fear. And I think it's the biggest one right now because I don't think that Scali can make the impact that he needs to make on these camps. I know when he had the opportunity to be in his only camp, he didn't perform well. He didn't left the greatest impression. And honestly, is that his position? His ideal position as a left back? We know he can he play. He played it. played on the right mostly for much of yes. Yeah. So that's so that's where you you you're basically doing the another Serginho Das. Yeah. Just switching a, a right back to a left back position. So you were team be... Scally hard in the last window though, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> I'm team Scally? Yeah. Didn't she want him called up when no when, I, no I when was they in, were having it, the crisis no, I, at right no, back? No, it was no, it was this. No, I mentioned. Remember when when I don't remember when Serginho Das got injured right. that day that the call-up was coming up and yeah. i mentioned hey guys don't because the right. fans but then cannon got covid and yedlin got suspended and they and no, had and to I mentioned in, against and they had to call be, in shaq it's gonna, moore it's gonna be shaq moore because yeah. we know greg wanted the experience it was the last window you're not he was not gonna call a, a player that didn't have that experience in those those minutes i don't think scally it's it's gonna have the time to have the minutes that he deserves to yeah. try to fight. Maybe he does, but I think the options that we just well, laid out is a lot of time. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I just, I just don't see it. I don't think Berhalter rates him that high, honestly. And, but yes, I am surprised that he's here over Paredes, but you can I th- make, I thought you said no surprises. What happened to that? I think, I think Berhalter does rate Scali. Scali was, this was his first real season playing professional matches. Yeah. Um, and so there are naturally some ups and downs there. Uh, will he make the world cup squad? Maybe, maybe not. But I think regardless of that, he's certainly one that's going to be involved quite a bit with this program in the future. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, like, like a uh, Tolkien, uh, I was asked about Keaton parks. I think Hiro Burns yeah. is gonna be. I'm surprised a, a that, he wasn't, that he wasn't mentioned as a as yeah. a snub by Burhalter. Um, I was told he wasn't even uh, considered. Yeah, I don't know what, what's going on there. Maybe it's the athletic profile. Maybe they don't think he presses. But yeah, what, what fans what what fans has to understand is that this is not the end of everything. No, like Qatar is not the end. Like all these youngsters, 2026 the, is a pretty big deal. Exactly, I, I will say it's a bigger deal. So all these youngsters are gonna have the opportunity starting from January camp in 2023 mm-hmm. to, to just, even with a new head coach, who knew, who knows you're right. Yeah. And, and to start making their cases. So don't, 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 don't it try ain't to over. It burn ain't down over. us soccer yes. because Joe Scali doesn't make the world cup roster in Qatar. <laughs> well, maybe he will. So also yeah, don't, don't burn them down until we know one way or another. Um, a couple other positions that I'm keeping an eye on definitely center back. Um, you know, we have, we have guys, three, three guys that we haven't seen a ton of since qualifying began in Cameron Carter Vickers and Eric Palmer Brown and in Aaron long, um, long, we've seen a lot of with Burhalter, but he missed most of qualifying while recovering from the Achilles rupture that he suffered well, right about a year ago. Um, as a matter of fact, we saw him come in in the last window, same with Palmer Brown. That was his only call up. Carter Vickers, um, was not called up at all. In qualifying, this is his first appearance with the national team since 2019. So, so his first time back, coming off a successful season um, with Celtic, 
Palmer Brown coming off a successful season with Trois in France. Um, Aaron Long, we know with the Red Bulls. And then, of course, Walker Zimmerman, who is is penciled in as, as the starter. Um, sad, disappointing um, that Chris Richards was not healthy enough to participate in this one. Uh, I would have liked to see him and Zimmerman play together. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see Richards make a move, a permanent move um, this summer. Um, and, and he showed some good things, really young center back. Um, and I think a guy who, if he can get healthy and he's close already, um, I think we could see him start in the world cup. Um, so yeah, I, I think some real questions there. Um, interested to see, interested to see what the answers are. Burhalter spoke about, about Carter Vickers and, and Palmer Brown, um, kind of more specifically in his press conference. Um, he said they think he thinks that both have good comfort on the ball. Both are good one v one defenders. Both have good speed, can cover space behind them. So we're excited to see them in camp. Palmer Brown played in a three man backline primarily for his club. Uh, Carter Vickers playing for Celtic, a, a team that really dominates in, in Scotland most weeks. So you know, kind of left on an island, playing a pretty high line a lot of times. Um, not a ton of defending to do always, but somebody that when called into question has a lot on a lot to handle. Um, so curious to see what those guys look like. And I think it's pretty wide open right now uh, for who's going to win that battle. James Sands, another one that, that Burhalter mentioned um, as, as a candidate for this position, uh, but one that he's giving some time off to recover uh, just like Pepe and Gianluca Busio guys that have been going nonstop basically since January, 2021 from MLS and then making moves to Europe. So I don't really know how that's going to shake out, Michele, that position. Yeah. Definitely one I'm going to keep an eye on. Yeah. Now. Alongside with your Reina, not having Richards, it was the, the biggest yeah. letdown because right now it's like you mentioned, it's Walker Simmer and Spencer right now as center back number one. And all the conversation is he's, who's going to be his partner when we thought maybe potentially it could be Miles, who was the maybe the center back that played the most. On, on qualifiers and was the potentially the best player of the USMNT on the last Gold Cup, scoring the goal on the final. And I was super excited to see Richards because he's been highly touted as this great prospect and now reality with Hoffenheim and under the Bayern Munich and FC Dallas Academy. Mm-hmm. And potentially, we on the ideal scenario, would have had Richards right now when, when, when we start seeing in this roster projection and this roster development two years ago or three years ago as getting to Qatar with Chris Richards as your center back number one, right? And now it's, we don't have it. And especially because Berhalter mentioned, like like you said earlier, that on there's a possibility of trying with three center backs, a line of three center backs yeah. on, 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 on the back, uh, like we saw on the National League's final and we saw during the last Gold Cup. And not having Richards there, getting those minutes, getting those those reps. Because yeah. after it, we cannot stress this enough. After these four games, which he's not going to be part of, as they have, they have ten days essentially before before they convene for the World Cup, which they'll exactly. have about a and, week and the before last, the first game. And the game. last two games in September, and that's yeah. it. And you can ask any center back in the world, even it's amateur. It's timing, chemistry. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that stuff takes time. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't get blown out of nothing. And that's why I think, and fans are going to like it, Aaron Long has a really good chance 
to be the guy alongside Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Aaron Long, by the way, a guy I think underrated athletically. I will agree with that. Yeah, um, he can move. He's fast. Um, so he replaces some of that that goes out the window with Robinson being out. Um, he wasn't great in the March window when he played, um, but he's been solid in MLS so far this season. Um, and we'll see, but definitely a position that's a major, major question mark for the U S heading into Qatar. Um, you know, the thought of, of, of that group kind of defending against Harry Kane and, and coming up against Phil Foden or Jaden Sancho or Marcus Rashford, uh, not super pleasant, um, prospect. (laughs) Um, but you know, um, we'll see how it goes. Lots of time between now and then, uh, Michele, let's take one more break. We'll, we'll tie it. We'll, we'll tie up this, this USMNT talk, maybe do a little rapid fire. I'll, I'll throw some questions at you real quick and we, and we can do a little lightning round. And then I'm, I want to continue that theme, that lightning round, get some opinions on MLS from you. Stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekel, joined by my guy, Michele Giannone. Michele, I'm going to throw some crap at you, and you're going to have to respond real quick, okay? You ready for I just, this? I just want to say this, is, this has not been prepared. I have no idea what Sam is going to ask me. Yep. Um, how concerned of you, scale of 1 to 10, about the USMNT's goalkeeping situation? 10. 10? Yes. Max concern. Why? Max concern. Because potentially all three goalkeepers are going to be second options on mm-hmm. their clubs. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Matt Turner is moving to Arsenal. Uh, you know, theoretically, it's an open competition there. Uh, but Aaron Ramsdale, they, they purchased for roughly $40 million less than a year ago, and he had a good season. So it's going to be an uphill battle for him to get regular games in the EPL. Zach Steffen, we know the situation there. Unless he leaves Manchester City, whether via transfer or loan, he will be the backup to Ederson. He had a shaky end to the year for club and country. He yes. was not particularly good in the March window. Um, and you know, most of you will, will know what happened in the FA Cup final with, with the big air that he had there. Or excuse me, not the final, semifinal, right? I can't even remember. Semifinal. Too, yeah. too many I games. Semifinal, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not really coming into this camp in the finest form. Uh, and then Ethan Horvath, back up at Nottingham Forest. They have a big game this weekend, promotion final. Uh, for the championship to try and get into the Premier League. Brees Samba, their starter, uh, their hero at this moment in time with the yeah. performance in the shootout and the semis. So it's going to be tough sledding and like, unless he moves or unless Samba moves for Horvath. To get you know what? It's, it's crazy to think, Sam, that we can say on paper that the three goalkeepers are playing in Europe. Uh-huh. Two of the clubs are Manchester City and Arsenal. Yeah. And it's the position that worries me the most. Might be three Premier League goalkeepers. Yeah, depending on how the final it's goes. Crazy to think. It it is pretty wild. I spoke to Turner actually this week and I asked him about the move, and he was like, essentially, this isn't a verbatim quote or anything. He's like, well, 
you know, I don't think it hurts my chances because I was playing every week in MLS and I wasn't really the starter. I was only right. starting when Zach wasn't available. And so if I'm going over there, I can work on my foot skills with Arsenal in a way that I can't with New England. At worst, it's status quo. And at best, I can leapfrog him. So that's sort of the thinking there. I'm not super comfortable with it either. I would say my concern is more of a uh, six or seven, oh, maybe six wow. and a half than 10. Um, I, I went full Michele. Full yeah, you did. Emphatic, Michele. emphatic Michele. Um, another question for you. Four games this window. How much should Burhalter prioritize building chemistry with, with the A team that's going to be seeing the field in Qatar? And how much should he prioritize running out the fringe roster, fringe guys who are going to be making up spots 18 through 26 on the roster and testing them out and giving them run? I will say 80-20 on prioritizing the first team. So, especially, so three out of four games, basically? Especially against the first two. Mm-hmm. Morocco and especially extra special Uruguay, yeah. which is a big time comable team. And because I, like I mentioned before, I think Greg has already in his mind 80% or even 90% of the roster already selected. Mm-hmm. And it has to happen something catastrophic for a player that he has in his mind to be left out. So I, th- I, I will want, especially on those first two games, and, and again against Uruguay, which is the by far the strongest of the fourth rivals. Um, we got to test that World Cup squad. Yeah. Berhalter mentioned um, the three-man back line. We talked about that a little bit. It could be a way to sort of maintain a little bit more control, potentially, um, possess a little bit more of the ball, maybe a um, little bit different look defensively. You know, could be good options there. Cannon could play in the middle of that. But I want to ask you about something else in regards to a potential tactical change. Uh, I asked him this question. Um in his press conference the other day about what we might see. He said, we will most likely look at another formation in one of the games, three man backline, as we've discussed. Um, then we'll continue to emphasize some of our strengths. I think our defensive pressure was excellent throughout qualifying. Our offensive transition can improve a little bit when we win the ball, make sure we're getting chances out of that. Still focusing on verticality, our favorite word on allocation disorder, <laughs> moving behind the back line. Then, you know, I think there's going to be moments where we can control the game better. I think in qualifying, we didn't necessarily do that really well. Those last two sentences about control stood out to me. Everything else was pretty standard. But when I when I think about control, I think about the midfield. And yes. they're not great at possession. They're not they're excellent in transition. They're excellent defensively, but they're not great at, at being able to kind of knock it around and control, right? As Burhalter said. When you hear those last two sentences, do you anticipate any sort of tactical tweak? Whether subtle, maybe you know, dropping Eunice Musa a little bit deeper to help out with Tyler Adams in the build out, or maybe a little bit more uh, explicit, maybe shifting to a four, two, three, one or changing the shape or, or nothing at all. Do you think it'll just be the same? It depends and depends what he wants to play, honestly. And it sounds cliche, but how do you want to play on the world cup? Do you want to play in transition? Do you want to be the aggressor? What do you want to do against England, for example? Yeah. Do you want to try to control the, the ball and have possession or just want to sit down and, and, and play in transition? Well, I think you want to be able to control the ball and have possession when you can, understanding exactly. that England's probably going to and, and the that's, ball in that And match. that's what I was um, proponent, or I'm still proponent, or seeing something different in the midfield, again, flipping the triangle and mm-hmm. having that double pivot with, you can say, Yunus or Tyler or 
maybe that gives also Weston a little bit more freedom and to get in between the lines. But again, and also it's the, the word that you mentioned that I also love verticality. <laughs> do you want to, do you want to bring out your opponent so you can use your wings and trying to get back behind them? Yeah. Cause if you, if you want to play against a team that is sitting on a low block, it's very difficult to do that. So you gotta be the aggressor. You gotta you gotta break the lines. How you're gonna break the lines? You had a you you have to have more ball possession and more ball um, be uh, and and that's and again this is tied to the way that I don't see Georgie working on this four three three and that's why I'm imploring a change at least. Imploring. Set up the team I, around I, Georgie Mihailovic. Yes, <laughs> Georgie and Christian Roldan. I want. And I, I, I want to see a change, at least try a change, because Georgie is not a ball progression number eight, a ball progression midfielder. And that's what you're going to need in some cases, mm-hmm. right? And and that's why I want to see a different switch, different something different on the midfield like we've been talking about for, for a long time. All right, fair enough. Last thing for you here, Mikel. What I'm do you switching. think about it? What do I think? I don't know. I would like to see Musa a little bit more involved in build up. I think it's pretty clear at this point that Adams can't handle that portion of the game by himself. I think he needs a little bit help, a help in that area. Yeah. Um, and I think there are going to be moments in Qatar when you just need to take the sting out of it and keep the ball a little bit and, and, and give yourself a breather, you know? Um, and, and I think doing that, you could achieve that a little bit through Musa. I think that could have some implications for where McKenney is stationed, where Pulisic is stationed. Um, where Anthony Robinson is stationed, it could affect a lot of things, but I think a subtle shift, maybe just dropping him a little bit deeper could, I think, change things somewhat significantly for the entire team. So I'm, I'm, that's one thing I'm going to be keeping a close eye on here heading into this window and, and during this window. So that's where I'm at. One last thing for you, MLS question. We're roughly 40% of the way through the season. You watch more MLS games, I think, than anybody that isn't named Matt Doyle or, <laughs> or Joe Lowry. So, so you know, I, I'm just going to throw this at you kind of broad, but I'm going to throw it at you. What do you think? What? What? Say what you need to say. No, you know, because normally on, on, on today our broadcast are Saturdays afternoon, right? Yeah. So I fly to a city every Friday uh-huh. to the game. It's sometimes I, I, I have time to go straight back from the stadium to airport and be back home Saturday night. Yeah. But other or, times you're stuck in or, market on Saturday ex- by yourself because the exactly. rest of the crew is calling off a monitor. No, yeah. but, but, but the thing is that when I come back home, then I'm watching MLS like on my couch on yeah. Sunday, because like my off day coming back from your girlfriend must really like you by the way. Yes. And it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I feel dirty. I feel bad <laughs> that I'm watching this MLS Sunday after dark. And, and, and my girlfriend just is it soccer again. Yeah. Been there. Babe, it's, 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 I'm sorry. It's work. It's, it's work. my job. It's my job. No, but I, I watch too much, honestly. And I feel nah, never enough, never yeah. enough. Somebody's got to boost those ratings. So thank you for doing that. Um, Thanks for but, your sacrifice. But uh, what to you is the most interesting or important or standout story of the season thus far across MLS? I think it's LAFC. Okay. Um, I think the Carlos Vela LAFC situation is still very fascinating. 
It's um, I think LAFC with alongside with New York City FC are right now a step ahead of the whole league, uh-huh. and it's mainly because the depth the depth that both teams have. Mm-hmm. So right now I I have New York City FC, LAFC, then a little gap, Philly, another little little gap, and then you have your Austin's RSL. No Seattle, no Seattle in that mix. Seattle is coming, but they're still and and they're gonna be in the playoffs. Come on, it's 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 a long season. Sure. Okay. We have we okay. even have hit the summer, but I think the LAFC what they done bringing Sharondolo with that everybody was talking about Jurgen Klinsmann, Juan Carlos Osorio. And Were people talking about that? Honestly, it, it, there were but names here in the LA market. Seriously, Osorio, they spoke here with. on 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 the LA market. Klinsman was mentioned a little bit, not seriously like Osorio, like you're mentioned. Yeah, but but he was a name that was dropped. And what they did, especially what John Torrington did, of retooling this squad, going to the MLS experience wealth with Maxine Crepo, with Kelly Acosta, with Ilya Sanchez, which I believe is right now the best six in the league. Junto Ryan Hollingshead. My Brujo. Ryan Hollingshead, yeah. um, Daniel Henry. Yeah. Um, all, all, these, all, all these players that know the league and we know that they work on Major League Soccer. Mm-hmm. Now, LAFC right now are not Vela dependent. And it's something that they can be proud of. And it's something that Sharondolo has made work and and i've been on on the lfc camp a lot we've been broadcasting a lot of their games lately and i've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of the player with Ilya, even with carlos with vela uh kelly nacosta etc and they love the guy and they love sharondolo and i was told and going back to vela that carlos one of the main reasons that he wanted out this year with lafc or making 2022 the last year of his experience on MLS and with LAFC is that he had it with Bob Bradley. And he had it that the team didn't make the playoffs and the atmosphere wasn't great. And that's something that Steve Sharondolo worked on it. And it's it's not a coincidence that Vela's contract was just for six months because he wanted, with his family, to see who was coming in and how the well, first that was month... that was the initial contract though they signed him for for what was it a, a four and a half year deal right and, yeah, and initially the thought was there was a clause initially the thought was going to be that the world cup would be in the summer he would still yeah. be playing for mexico and then they could make a decision after the world cup right but that there was a clause that could have before this season started to extend that and make it the full year at least and he declined that before knowing Who's who was going to be the coach mm-hmm. and how the atmosphere and how the team was going to be this year. And now I and I spoke to him and I spoke with people again around his camp and in his camp. And he's very happy right now. Yeah. He and has reportedly stay. agreed to a new deal. Yes. Yes. Which is supposedly very close to be announced. I mean, June 30th, it's when the contract expires. So they have to announce it really quick. And I it's and I think LAFC, it's. Right now, it's what every team on MLS, uh, of course, alongside with Seattle, that you can look in the mirror and other teams can look LAFC as a franchise and what we've done. And they show in clearly what works in this league and how to make a winning project mm-hmm. possible after not making the playoffs last year. Yeah. You know? Which and, was kind and, of fluky even last year. 
Yeah, but they still didn't make it, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and, and I can tell you that that's right now my favorite team to watch. And I'm trying to, even if we don't broadcast the game, trying to pay attention a lot. And actually, I'm going right now. Remember, we're recording this on Wednesday. After this, I'm driving to LA to watch the US the US Open Cup game against. I meant Galaxy to ask you today. before the show. Are you just going for fun? Yeah, I'm going for fun. Just gonna yeah. watch the game. Yeah, and it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, and no, that will be a good time. Um, so it's um win or win situation. Which yeah, added, win or go we home. Adds, we adds to the trafico drama. Winner go home. I don't know if we won this podcast, but we are going home. This is the end of the show. I'm Sam Stayskull. Michele, thank you so much for joining, man. This has been fun. No, thank you. And for the opportunity, uh, I'm very... Don't, don't thank me. This was all you, bro. You did me a nice little favor here by coming on. So I appreciate no, you. You. Could, you. You could have called a hundred people, but you didn't. You called me. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful to call you and Paul friends. And I'm thankful to be in allocation disorder. All right. Well, we're thankful to have you. And I will see you in Cincinnati in a few days. (laughs) In a few days. (laughs) Damn it, USMNT. Get ready for it. Um, Thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with with some schedule of shows. We haven't exactly figured it out yet with the USMNT matches that are going on, but we will have some content for you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Appreciate you as always. Thanks for listening. I'm Sam. He is Michele. This has been Allocation Disorder. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.